the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. This program was originally broadcast live on 93.9 KPDQ. We hope you enjoy the show. Well, good afternoon and welcome to the Friday edition of the Georgine Rice Show. Glad to have you with us. James Blend is producing. Clark Hilton is engineering. James is also debuting this evening at the um, um, comedy show. So looking forward to hearing more about that. Anyway, we're also going to spend some time paying tribute to James Blend, who has served 15 years as the producer of this program that's coming up in this hour of today's show. But first, to look at some of the developing news stories for the day. Well, the president uh, said that he has an absolute right to declare a national emergency. It was in an exclusive interview on Fox News with Sean Hannity. The president said he has the absolute right to declare a national emergency if he can't reach an agreement with congressional Democrats to provide funding for his promised wall along the U.S.-Mexico border. The law is very clear. I mean, we have the absolute right to declare a national emergency. He said this is a national emergency if you look at what's happening. Well, the president did not lay out a specific timetable for when he might take such a step, saying, I think we're going to see what happens over the next few days. The president spoke uh, to Fox News in Texas on the banks of the Rio Grande, where he visited the border region to argue that the barrier would deter drug and human trafficking into the United States. But in Washington, Democrats in the Senate on Thursday failed to proceed with House-passed uh, spending bills that would have turned the government and the end of the, um, or would have funded the government, rather, and seen an end to the partial government shutdown. White House uh, has directed the Army Corps of Engineers, engineers rather, to look at ways to fund uh, the border security wall as well. Well, later in the day, the president uh, made it clear he threw cold water on the idea of immediately declaring a national emergency to build a wall on the U.S.-Mexico border, reversing days of signals that he might. Well, a lot of that was speculation, but nonetheless, declaring that he has the authority to declare an emergency amid the protracted standoff with Democrats. So it's not likely to happen uh, in the short term, but rather it will be some time we are now led to believe. Well, approximately 8,000 federal workers today face their first payday without a paycheck due to the ongoing government shutdown. Roughly 420,000 employees have been deemed essential and are working unpaid. An additional 380 are staying home without pay. Democratic senators and union leaders led federal workers in rallies at the White House and across the country to end the shutdown. This afternoon, the Senate passed legislation to provide back pay for federal workers furloughed during the shutdown. According to statistics provided by the Department of Labor, 4,760 federal employees filed for unemployment benefits in the last week of December, an increase of 3,831 from the 929 who applied the week before. The shutdown, which enters its 21st day today, will be the longest in the history of uh, the country by this weekend. Most of the government workers received their last paycheck two weeks ago. Jamie Kloss, the teenager who hadn't been seen since her parents were found dead last October, has been discovered alive and a suspect has been taken into custody, according to officials. Many questions surround the 13-year-old who uh, was found about 70 miles north of where she was last seen. She was discovered on Thursday in the town of Gordon in Douglas County, Wisconsin, after she approached a woman who was out walking her dog. Authorities are planning a news conference 
uh, to explain more details. They had one earlier today, but we'll continue to provide details as they're made available. And Michael Cohen, the president's former personal attorney, has agreed to testify before the House Oversight and Reform Committee. He'll do that on the 7th of February, almost exactly one month before he starts serving a prison term. In a statement, he said he accepted the invitation to appear from Representative Elijah Cummings, the committee's chairman, in furtherance of my commitment to cooperate and provide the American people with answers. And the question that's floating around right now, will Mr. Bezos' uh, divorce affect Amazon, not just their relationship and their family, but Amazon? The divorce of the world's richest man, Amazon CEO Jeff Bezos and his wife of 25 years, Mackenzie Bezos, could leave the fate of the pair's massive fortune and Amazon itself potentially in the hands of Washington state courts. TMZ reported on Thursday that the couple did not have a prenuptial agreement detailing terms of a possible split. That does not preclude the possibility there was some type of post-nuptial agreement part uh, rather put in place. Washington State, where the pair live and are Amazon, uh, where Amazon is based, is a community property state as opposed to an equitable distribution state like New York. In a community property state, all assets required during the marriage are considered marital property and subject to 50-50 split. That means Mackenzie Bezos uh, could be entitled to half of the entrepreneur's 137 billion dollar fortune. And on this day in 2003, calling the death penalty process arbitrary and capricious and therefore immoral, Illinois Governor George Ryan commutes the sentences of 167 condemned inmates, clearing his state's death row two days before leaving office. And on this day in 1989, nine days before leaving the White House, President Ronald Reagan bids the nation farewell in a primetime address, saying of his eight years in office, we meant to change a nation and instead we changed a world. And on this day in 1963, the Beatles single, Please Please Me, uh, B-side, Ask Me Why, is released in Britain by um, Parlophone. We learned earlier today that U.S. troops have begun to withdraw from Syria. Now, what that means precisely isn't altogether clear, at least from what I have seen. But the U.S.-led military coalition in Syria started the process of uh, withdrawing troops from the embattled region. A U.S. defense official confirmed the U.S. started the process of a deliberate withdrawal from Syria. Colonel Sean Ryan, a spokesman for the coalition fighting the Islamic State, said earlier today, out of concern for operational security, we will not discuss specific timelines, locations or troop movements, Ryan said. Uh, to uh, speaking to the Associated Press. The withdrawal appears to have begun Thursday night, according to the Syrian Observatory for Human Rights, which monitors the conflict in Syria through the activities on the ground. A convoy of about 10 armed vehicles and some trucks pulled out of um, the area in Syria, heading for um, and into Iraq. The first withdrawals come amid confusion over plans to implement the president's pullout order and threats from Turkey to attack the Kurds, who are U.S. allies in the fighting against ISIS. The president's decision to remove troops from Syria sent shockwaves through the embattled region and led to the resignation of Defense Secretary James Mattis and perhaps others as well. U.S. National Security Advisor John Bolton said on Sunday that American troops will not leave northwestern or rather northeastern Syria until ISIS is defeated and U.S.-backed Kurds were protected. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo has also sought to reassure the Kurds that they will be safe after the U.S. completely pulls out. How they can uh, make that assurance isn't clear at this point. There are 2,000 American troops in Syria, or at least there were, uh, assuming that the pullout has begun in earnest. Well, after the uh, ailing Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg missed oral arguments, the Trump team began early groundwork for another potential confirmation battle. Now, she fully intends to return uh, to her um, uh, post, 
as an associate. She has been receiving um, briefs of the oral arguments and has been doing work while she's recovering. And while it's uh, we're being told now that she's not likely to return next week, she does intend to return. But the White House is reaching out to political allies and conservative activist groups to prepare for an ailing Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg possible death or departure from the Supreme Court, an event that would trigger the second bitter confirmation battle of President Trump's tenure. The outreach began after Ginsburg, 85 on Monday, missed oral arguments at the court for the first time in her 25 years on the bench. The justice, who was nominated to the court by President Bill Clinton in 1993, announced in late December that she underwent a surgical procedure to remove two cancerous growths from her lungs. Uh, we also learned that it was uh, there was not evident that it, evidence rather that it, it had spread elsewhere. And so she has said she intends to return uh, and that she'll continue in that uh, role uh, as long as she is fully able to function. So we'll see what happens next. But the process of thinking through the possibility that she might not return or might return for a very short time has already begun. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show, and we've been celebrating this week the 15-year anniversary of James Blend becoming producer to this program. Earlier, I had the opportunity to interview him, and we'll share that with you in just a few moments. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show, brought to you today by Liberty Coin and Currency. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Well, good afternoon and welcome back. You're listening to the Friday edition of The Georgine Rice Show. And I would like to distinguish this segment of today's program from all of the others because during this little portion of today's program, we want to focus on James Blend and congratulate him for 15 years of faithful service as the producer of the Georgine Rice Show. When I'm here, when I'm not here, James Blend is the producer of the Georgine Rice Show. So what you're saying is probably if people need a restroom break, this would be the segment to take it during. I can see I can I can I can be self uh you know, self-deprecating sometimes if I need to be. By the way, that reminds me that this Friday night, which would tonight, be yeah. tonight. Tonight. This Friday tonight. I know where you're going with this. James Blend is opening for comedian Nazareth. That's true. I am. I don't know why I am so nervous. You're nervous. <laughs> I'm very nervous about you doing this. I mean, do you got your do you got your do you have your your set? Yeah, I have ready? it. Fi- yeah, I have it ready. I do have it ready, and I you know this is not something. I, this is the result of a very poor choice of words at one juncture in my life. Um, of which in a conversation about this Nazareth show is actually a long time coming. He he and I have been talking about it probably for about three years, and he would call occasionally to say, hey, have you thought of an idea to do a comedy night? And it'd be like, still still uh, trying to get some traction on that one. And you know, we finally did, and we've done a few now. Uh, but the first time I talked to him, I said, yeah, I, you know, just to, just to show I wasn't giving lip service and just saying, oh, yeah, I'd love to do that someday, nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Uh, it was more of a, uh, you know, this, to show my sincerity, he goes, I've done stand-up comedy. I've taken classes. I've done open mics. Um, I've done a couple of uh, small showcases. And um, he's like, well, then you'll open for me. He never forgot. <laughs> I mean, all these, I never brought it up again. Not once. And it got to the point where when we were preparing for the uh, pastor's breakfast, we were also talking about this particular show coming up that uh, tonight. And planning for it as well. And uh, I'd pick up the phone. I'd, I'd see it was his name. And I'd say, hello. And he'd say, hello, my opening act. <laughs> so any hope I had of, of getting out of it was immediately dashed. Um, and in fact, he, he asked me earlier this week, so are you going to chicken out on me? 
And I said, well, I probably should, but no, I'm not. <laughs> so let me ask you, how long is your set? Not very long, seven to ten minutes or so. Seven to ten minutes? That's a really long time. I've done it before. You... I've, I've, I've done... I um I have done a, a seven minute set and uh, before um, most recently, um, and uh, that that was an adventure in and of itself. So were you funny? I got laughs. I don't I don't think they were pity laughs. So, so what are you going to wear? Um, well, it, hopefully more than in my nightmares about the situation. <laughs> um, but um, it, it's like oh no, not my underwear. But um, no, the. Uh, just normal, just me. I'm just me out there. I'm okay, not trying to be anything else. Are you wearing jeans or are you wearing slacks? Probably jeans. I hadn't really thought that far out on it. Well, are you going to wear one of your wacky shirts? Because James is known for wearing wacky shirts. Is this going to be a button-up shirt or are we talking a T-shirt? What are you thinking? You know, I usually, to be perfectly honest, do not go for anything particularly attention-getting. Okay. Because it's... I'm just going to be a Well, I mean, if you, think about, if you think about it from this standpoint... Do you want the attention on your shirt or on what you're saying? Well, if I'm not funny, I want it on the shirt. Well, that's true. If I'm funny, then... uh... I should have a shirt I could turn inside out. That's what I really should (laughs) have. If I sense it's not going well... (laughs) Switch it around. Well, we're digressing into parts unknown, but I did want to mention that James is going to be the opening act for the comedy show tomorrow night. And where is that tomorrow? Tonight. It's tonight, Georgie. I'm sorry. You That's said okay. tomorrow. It seems like it should be Saturday, but it's Friday. It's Friday night. Yeah, Friday night. It's at Tiger Christian Church. And are you sold out? Can people show it's up and buy tickets? It's getting close. Or what are they? Last time I checked, there were precious few tickets available. Um, as of right now, they'll only be available at the door, but ch- double check our website. If they're sold out, it will say that It will there. say so. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm telling you, I'm going to be nervous until your part is over. Uh, yeah, for the most part, like same here. I mother. For crying out loud. Oh, well. Well, the real reason that I wanted to have you on this segment was to draw attention to the fact that uh, this week we are celebrating your 15th year as the producer of The Georgine Rice Show. So first of all, let me just say congratulations and thank you for 15 years of hard work helping to make this show what it is today. Now, you can take that a number of ways. You can. On one, one hand, you can blame him for that, and I'm perfectly happy with that. Or you can commend him for that. So you can... Choose how you want to respond, but uh, I just want to say thank you. How did you begin uh, to become the uh, producer of this program? I don't remember that start. Um, you know, it was one of those things, uh, kind of a trial basis. Um, I'd come, I'd been to the, I'd worked at the station a couple times before, mm-hmm. and was asked. I do remember that? Yes, and uh, was asked to come back and fill in for one of our uh, our workers at the time who was a reservist. And he had been called up to active duty. And so I came in, and by the end of it, um, the the PD at the time had decided that this guy that was recommended to me is somebody I want to keep around. Um, And so this was suggested as something I could do. Um, And it was was a very much a trial thing. We'll try this for a month and see what happens. And uh, I think that... um, Probably about three weeks in, we I think we kind of started to click, and I think you know we'd worked together many times before, but not in that you know not in that situation. So you just don't know. Yeah, that's uh, true. But uh, and it does really make a difference if there's chemistry, for lack of a better word, between the host and the producer or at the, the very engineer least, for that understanding. Matter. Yeah. Um, and you know the, the the reality was, I think part of it was that. I did have that experience, and that I came in knowing exactly what the Georgine show was about, 
exactly what it needed to be because I had I certainly engineered the program a number of times before. Um, I had uh, you know listened to the show a number of times before. I, you know, I'd, it's a show I'd been around for almost ten years at that point, so it was uh, it was definitely something that I came in with probably better homework on it than most people would have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and despite my protestations, fifteen years uh, later, you're still here. I know your 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 uh, attempts it's... to undermine me have failed right. all miserably. And I've seen you in the GM's office many times in tears, just begging for another assignment, which, by the way, you have. We'll get into that in just a moment. Yes. Um, but despite all of that, uh, you and I have been a team for 15 years. Yeah. I mean, I think the only change is depending on the month if I'm running the show, too, or not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you're just producing. Sometimes you're also engineering. Now, a lot of people hear us refer to you as the producer of the program. Can you describe for people who don't know what that means, what that means? Because I'm a little puzzled myself. What does it mean to be the producer of a radio program? The producer of the radio program, I look at at, uh, at uh, the number one responsibility of the the producer to execute the vision of the host. Um, I, so when will that start? That starts next week. Okay, good, good. Um, the, the um, I think, might be the week after. <laughs> Uh, but, um, you know, the, the, the way that, that takes form mostly for, for us is that, uh, um, I'm responsible for booking all the guests. Um, and, um, it, that can be, it's like playing a complicated game of Jenga sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, For example, yesterday. Yesterday. This wasn't a guest issue, although we have had guests call and say, uh, I got to catch a plane. I can't do the interview and it's five minutes before the show. So you've got that. 30-minute period where you've got to figure out, what am I going to do? I spent that time preparing for the interview. They're not going to be here, and now I have no time to prepare for something else. But then there is the technical glitch that sometimes happens. You happen to be engineering two segments we did yesterday. Um, One great interview with uh, the folks from Timothy Plan. Timothy Plan, right. And then we did another segment, and it just disappeared. We had a technical glitch, and uh, five minutes before the show, it was discovered that the two segments that we had pre-recorded were no longer in the system and trying to figure out, okay, what are we going to do now? So there's <laughs> there's a lot of just being on your toes uh, because things happen and and you're not really prepared for them, but you always, have to, as the producer, always have to be prepared for the unthinkable. Yeah, it's always always having a, a back pocket plan, if you will, as to, as, to, as to what to do, what to have. And usually I have a... A, a a recent typically a recent interview ready to go just in case there's a problem um you know because obviously we want to stay on the air i think the worst case scenario that um you told me about once i returned from india we had invited someone to guest host the program they had agreed to guest host the program which means they are responsible for the content of 2 hours of the show james uh facilitates whatever they might need from this end but they show up and they do uh they do a show and she misunderstood what that meant. And the day of the interview came up, in fact, just minutes before the show was to start. And having misunderstood what she was asked to do, was not prepared to host the show. So with minutes to go before the program began, you had to put together two hours of programming um, on the fly. Yeah, I mean, there, there, that was obviously an extreme situation and, and it was very unfortunate. But, uh, you know, the, the, the immediate focus goes from, I'm really sorry this has happened to. I've got seven minutes till there's a show that needs yeah. to be on the air, so I, I, you know, I, you know, you need to throw something together. And the good news is, once you've gotten 
gotten one or two segments ready to air, um, you have a little bit of breathing room because every you know every segment buys you fifteen minutes basically. Uh, but uh, so by about uh, 4.30, the entire show was done, yeah. ready now, to go. I like to think that the most important thing you do in life, besides being a husband and father, and you're very good at both, but the most important thing you do in life is produce the Georgine Rice Show. But the truth is... It's close. The truth is, you do other things very well here as well. Can you tell our listeners what else you do? Well, I'm also uh, I'm also the, uh, for lack of a better term, the assistant program director for the two KPDQs. Um, AM and FM. AM and FM. And um, the, uh, that means I assist the program director as needed with uh, tasks, whether that be anything for filling in from him when he's on you know, sick leave or whatever, uh, down to just you know, little maintenance items, helping put out fires. Not literal ones, thankfully, most of the time. But, um, and then also I um, coordinate all of the concerts and events, if you will, because they're not all concerts. Like tomorrow, uh, tonight isn't a, you got me doing it now. <laughs> um, tonight isn't a, a you know, musical concert. It's it's more of an event uh, for not only uh, KPDQ, but also our sister station, The Fish. And while that may sound like, oh, he makes a few phone calls and he arranges for someone to come into town, he oversees every aspect, virtually every aspect of what that means. There's legal, there's the facilities and working with who's going to do what, when, and what they require and what the facility can provide. And uh, there just is a lot that goes into that. A lot that of phone calls, oversee. a lot of emails, a lot of... S- uh, a lot of meetings. Yeah. One of the things I will say about James Blend, who is the producer of the Georgine Rice Show and does other things, is that he is unflappable. Uh, generally speaking, when something comes up, and occasionally it comes up at the last minute, when you announced to me yesterday that the programming had been lost and it was a technical glitch that you weren't responsible for, it's just what happened with the system, I, I couldn't even speak. I was just so frustrated. You were unflappable and began to work toward fixing... Um, Filling that time, fixing the problem, essentially for well, that I mean, you know, our, our offices for those, uh, you know, the many who have not you know, seen how our offices are set up here, our offices are probably about maybe about twenty feet from each other. About. If that, yeah. Um, and I use those twenty feet every every step of the way, uh, so that <laughs> when possible, if something has gone wrong, whether it be a guest cancellation or um, a technical glitch, like uh, occurred uh, with with the program that uh, um, really has. That was a one in a million kind of event, uh, but uh, the the key is to go in there and try and have some semblance of at least a suggestion. I did notice that yesterday you came with backup. Yeah, that was that was it. <laughs> he was prepared. He knew kind of what what my oh, he, response would be. You mean I've wasted half my day preparing for this interview that I've now already done that cannot be aired? That's what I'm thinking. I didn't say any of that, but you know me well enough to know oh, what yeah. I'm thinking. And I, just like you described a minute ago, I'm already thinking, okay, what am I going to do with this time I now have that I hadn't prepared for? Um, but you came in with backup. You made the pronouncement. I mean, there, yeah, there's a time to kind of bonk your head against the wall and go, why, why, why? And, and, and believe me, I, I that do that. Been right then. <laughs> uh, I definitely do do that. Uh, you don't typically will see it, but uh, <laughs> I, I do. But um, in that particular area, it was the same thing. You're on the air in 10 minutes. Uh, we've got time to fill. Yeah, we got to come up with something. Well, I have to say, um, congratulations on 15 years here at KPDQ with wearing various hats. I appreciate most of all the hat that you wear as producer of the Georgine Rice Show, and the program would not be what it is today if you were not in that chair. So I'm very grateful uh, for the role that you play, and I hope that uh, you and I can continue to work together for the next 15 years, although I plan on being retired 
some point in there. And I might be from the nursing home doing the show. We um, have the technology now to do that, you know. <laughs> it's, it's probably true, but you probably wouldn't want to hear what I have to say. Anyway, congratulations and thank you, James Blend. Absolutely. I saw you roll your eyes. You're thinking, I don't want to hear what you have to say today, and you're not in the nursing well, home. No, I, I always, know you. you know, if there's one thing I have always been consistent about on this show, especially when I've been here on Fridays, it's always to refer to my, my daily nap from four to six. <laughs> yeah. Congratulations, James Blind. All right, we're going to take a quick break. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Well, again, if you're looking for um, some comfort, the Calm app has a, uh, a sleep stories feature so that adults can be put to bed with bedtime stories. Phoebe Smith, a UK-based award-winning travel writer and author, suffered from insomnia for years. That is, ironically, until she started um, camping out for work, which entailed roughing it in the mountaintops, in caves, and even inside a glacier in Salzburg, Austria, near the North Pole. All of her 2014 book, Extreme Sleeps. Uh, getting out of her day-to-day rut is um, uh, sitting at a desk, which is what most of us do. All, well, some of us. I won't say most of us. And stressing about deadlines definitely helped her find peace of mind, especially when met with the thrill of exploring a new place, she said. Well, the founders of Calm, which uh, is a free um, meditation and relaxation app, admired her descriptive writing and sleep expertise and asked her if she'd contribute to their sleep stories Series. So now she uses her um, nature-inspired travel experiences, ranging from the base camp at Mount Everest to cruising around the uh, Bay of Bengal, to write soothing and sensory tales for calm to help insomniacs and stressed-out adults peacefully drift off. Now you read bedtime stories to your little girl. Mm-hmm. How are you? Uh, how do you think you'd like having bedtime stories read to you? That wouldn't really be my thing. Yeah, I don't think it would be mine either. I'm happy to read to myself. Yeah. And that can that can sometimes put me to sleep unless it's yes, riveting and then it usually does. Yeah, in which case I I can't fall asleep. Well, there's a woman in China, she was recently diagnosed with a very rare hearing loss condition that prevents her from hearing men's voices. Now, having read the headline, I was convinced that I have had this same malady for at least 36 years. Uh, it's not men in general. It's just, I don't know, Dan Rice. I have difficulty sometimes hearing Dan Rice's voice. And now I can say to him, oh, honey, I'm sorry, I can't hear you. I have a disease. Well, the woman identified only as Chen recently woke up one morning and was unable to hear her boyfriend's voice, who I'm hoping was at his residence. According to the Daily Mail, the uh, resident uh, then rushed to a hospital locally, hoping doctors there would be able to help her. Well, Chen was subsequently diagnosed by an ear, nose and throat specialist with a condition called reverse slope hearing loss or RSHL. And it's rare. According to Tennessee Thigpen Hearing Center, for every 12,000 cases of hearing loss, only one person has this particular uh, disease. In the U.S. and Canada specifically, the condition affects roughly 3,000 people. And I'm arguing 3,001, although mine is highly specialized and only fails to hear one male voice. Uh, she was uh, able to hear, um, says the uh, the doctor, she was able to hear me when I spoke to her. But when a young male patient woke, uh, walked in, she couldn't hear him at all. Uh, the doctor who treated Chen said, according to the male, uh, she was able to hear um, other female voices, but not male voices. Well, Chen reportedly said she was recently under a lot of stress and not getting an adequate amount of sleep, which the doctor said 
uh, could have been a contributing factor. That night, before she was unable to hear her boyfriend's voice, she said that she felt uh, nauseous and was uh, had ringing in her ears. She was reportedly expected to fully recover. So I, I'm heartened by that, that I am will eventually fully recover from my inability to comprehend Dan Rice's voice, particularly when he's talking about some things as opposed to others. You know, like the budget. That sounds familiar. Yeah, I think it goes the other way, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> oh, 46 minutes after 4 o'clock, you're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We'll be back in just a few moments. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. 49 minutes after 4 o'clock, that is the time you're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Well, it's the job title for members of the U.S. Supreme Court the name of a former judge's current affairs television program, and one of the enduring goals of American democracy, which is actually a constitutional republic. Now, justice is also this year's, or last year's, word of the year, 2018, as selected by the dictionary people at Merriam-Webster. Well, this year, the word, or last year, was the word uh, that was consistently among the uh, 20 or 30 top um, words looked up by visitors to Merriam-Webster's website, editor-at-large, Peter Sokolowski told the Associated Press, so justice is the 2018, or rather was the 2018 word of the year. Searches for justice were up nearly 75% last year over the year before on the website that uh, garners more than 100 million page views a month and offers definitions for nearly a half a million words. To be considered for word of the year, an entry has to uh, spark both a high volume of online traffic and a significant year-over-year increase in lookups. Usage that were uh, common during 2018 included racial justice, obstruction of justice, social justice, and justice department. You don't have to think too deeply about why those words and phrases were uh, so popular and looked up. Um, Justice with Judge Janine, uh, who has a program named uh, after the word, says that we are in a dark and dangerous place in America where politics is driving our system of justice instead of lady justice being blind to politics. Uh, Pirro said in her opening statement, well, President Trump uh, tweets have contributed to the dictionary. She cites uh, lookup totals on the 1st of August, for example. And again, we're 2018 when the president tweeted uh, his wish for then-Attorney General Jeff Sessions to stop the Mueller investigation. The president referred to obstruction of justice, although it had been said dozens, if not hundreds of times before that tweet. But that prompted 900% spike in lookups for the phrase over the same date in 2017. Other words that saw increases in uh, lookups uh, in 2018 included maverick, after Senator John McCain died, respect, after Aretha Franklin died, um, excelsior, after the comic book creator Stan Lee died, and nationalism after President Trump declared himself a nationalist. Well, Merriam-Webster's selection of justice at its, uh, as its word of the year follows Oxford Dictionary's recent selection of toxic and Dictionary.com's choice of misinformation. So there you have it. Well, in addition to words that were very popular, there are also those that at least many hope would be banished. Banished words for 2019 include collusion and yeet. I have to admit, I have no idea what yeet means. You're a younger man, Clark. Maybe you do. But a Michigan University uh, study released its annual list of banished words, including thought leader, POTUS and yeet. Lake Superior State University said its 44th annual list of words banished from the Queen's English for misuse, overuse, and general uselessness was chosen from a pool of submissions from a public fed up with words like wheelhouse, 
to mean an area of expertise and phrases like in the books to mean something concluded. Well, the list included common words using Otis, POTUS and so on, FLOTUS, as an initialism for um, uh, of the United States, including POTUS for the president of the United States and FLOTUS first lady of the United States. The list also includes wrap my head around platform collusion, ghosting, litigate, grapple, eschew, crusty, optics, legally drunk, importantly, um, accounterments. What's an accounterment? And most important election of our time, which I've been hearing that for decades, but they're always the most important election of our time. Maybe it would be better to say the most important election at this time. That would be more accurate. Uh, says the uh, Michigan University, we grapple, litigate, and then yeet irritating words and phrases gathered from the nominations and votes received during 2018. The school said in a statement, it's the most important election of our time. Sort of poking fun at some of the words they want to hear no more. Nothing. I was just going to say yeet. <laughs> no. Apparently, it, uh, they used it in a sentence here. So let's see if we can figure it out. We grapple litigate, and then yeet irritating words. So in context, words and phrases um, gathered from the nominations and votes receiving, received during 2018. So that at least gives you some thought of what it might Way mean. Way back in 2008, an Urban Dictionary said, user said, the yeet meaning is simply a way to express excitement. Yeet. Yeah. Yeah, well, I guess I'm an old timer because I've never heard it nor done it. Yeah. But since it's been banned for this year, we don't have to worry about it. Woo! Yeet! <laughs> a Texas sheriff is taking on uh, speeders in his county by placing cardboard cutouts of deputies next to roads rife with lead-footed drivers. Now, would you be taken in by... Yes, I mean, obviously, I you would. do not drive over the speed because you're a man of principle. But would you be convinced by traveling at the correct rate of speed, looking to your right and seeing a cardboard cutout of a uh, sheriff's deputy and believe that's an actual person who can I, hold you and others responsible for sim- your speed? Simply, I'm scared to death of things that look like police cars when I'm <laughs> following the speed limit. Well, there you go. Williamson County Sheriff Robert Chody, he tweeted a video showing one of the cutouts, which he said depicts one of the department's real-life deputies, given the appearance of a police presence next to a road in the Fern Bluff neighborhood of Bushy, or rather Brushy Creek. It's a creative way to solve a problem without really working the problem, he says. Well, uh, Sheriff Chody said the cutouts, which depict the deputy pointing a speed-measuring radar device on the road, and at some distance it actually is uh, pretty, at least the outline is pretty convincing, looks like a real deputy at first glance. Now, whether it is at second glance doesn't really matter because chances are you see the deputy, you slow down. Mm-hmm. When you're going 20, 30 miles per hour and you see the silhouette, you're immediately breaking, uh, slowing down. And then, and that's exactly what we're trying to do, he said. He said the department tested out the cardboard deputies by placing them near school zones with real deputies waiting nearby to observe the results. So you don't actually know if it's a cardboard cutout or if it's a real deputy until you've approached it. Uh, we didn't get one speeder. All these people were breaking before they got to the cutout or as they were approaching the cutout. So it's actually worked for them. Something to consider. Who? Who? Well, police officers. <laughs> Something to consider. Consider doing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, not, not speeding or 
Yeah. Being on the lookout for a cardboard cutout? <laughs> well, no, I actually meant it's something for law enforcement oh, okay. to consider when they're shorthanded because, you know, we really <laughs> should. Budget cuts. Yeah, we really should drive the speed limit and not require having law enforcement standing by. But Said Miss Leadfoot. Hey, hey. Okay, I have to admit, when I was driving to the pastor's appreciation breakfast this last time, this was mm-hmm. in 2018. Yeah, I heard about uh, I this. I didn't see the speed indicator. I didn't know what the miles per hour was. So I decided what I thought it was, and I exceeded the limit. And immediately there appeared an officer who was not made of cardboard. He pulled me over. I'm on my way to the pastor's appreciation breakfast. And he was very, um, very cordial. And he says, so... Um, you know what the speed limit is? Actually, no, I don't. And he told me what it was and what I was doing, and it was not acceptable. And he said, where are you headed in such a hurry? It's like, oh, do I add lying to exceeding the speed limit? No. So I had to tell him, and I actually told him I was also ashamed to admit that that's where I was headed, but I was also late and was um, part of the program. So there you have it. I've confessed everything. And because I hadn't had any previous speeding tickets, he gave me a warning, which I was very grateful for. And I'm telling you, when I hit that stretch of, uh, it's on 82nd, when you uh, turn off of 82nd, the surface street, onto what becomes something of a, surf, um, I don't know, not a highway, but anyway, the speed limit increases. Um, so that's where it happened. Oh, okay. Now I'm probably under the limit out of fear and respect for law enforcement. Well, portions of an uh, overcast sky in southeastern Brazil uh, are painted with tiny black dots. And no, it's nothing to do with birds. Residents in the inland state of Minas Gerais Gerais, recently reported seeing thousands, thousands of raining spiders. The eight-legged critters appear to be falling, although they were actually just crawling in a giant uh, sticky web that created a um, that they create rather to capture their prey, so it's a deliberate action on their part, um, says uh, one 14-year-old who witnessed the strange phenomenon while visiting family uh, in the area. Reportedly, told a local newspaper he was stunned and scared by the sight, particularly when at least one spider fell on the ground. He captured the bizarre scene on video, which uh, garnered nearly forty thousand views on Facebook after it was posted. On the 4th of uh, this month. That would just be terrifying because my usual response to spiders is Dan Rice and he comes running and dispatches whatever the critter is, wherever it is. And I won't even describe how he goes about it. I, I usually try to let him outside. Yeah, that, I really, that makes my family I crazy. just leave that up to him. Whatever he chooses to do is up to him. You know, strangely, I can hear his voice when he's talking about, you know, helping me escape a spider, but uh, other times not so much. Usually, my uh, my thing is if it flies, it dies. But um, you know, if it's crawling around, I'm going to try to get it outside. Yeah, well, I don't know why. I just you're just a humanitarian, feel like a humanitarian. You know? Yeah, yeah. We're going to take a break for news and traffic here at the top of the hour. When we come back, we'll share a special program with you. So stay in tune. Thanks for listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. If you'd like to download a podcast of the show or would like more information on today's guests, please visit the show at kpdq.com or on Facebook. Follow the show on Twitter at G. Rice Show and like us on Facebook. And join us live every weekday at 4 for more critical thinking for critical times on 93.9 KPDQ. 
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.